This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, guys, we're in the new studios here, uh, officially brought the show here to the new home on 7th and R Street at the U.S. Post Office building at the Husker Online office, so it's good to have everybody in here in the, in the new setup. The digs are good. Upgrade, big time. Yeah, I like it. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you know, a lot going on. Uh, camps this week. Nebraska will hold their final Friday Night Lights event um, before uh, the coaches go on kind of a break, uh, so we'll talk about that later on in the show, but this week, in the beginning of the week, Nebraska held uh, their their uh, Naval SEAL kind of training program. It's called the program, and it's not actually done by Navy SEALs, the Navy SEALs. It's uh, done by former SEALs, and it's a leadership and trust-based program. And it was something that Nebraska did under Bo Pelini, um, and I think he picked up on the idea after spending some time at the Navy SEAL training facility uh, down in San Diego at one of Nebraska's many Holiday Bowl trips um, when they went down there for those games. Uh, but it went away the last few years. You know, Sean Eichhorst, um, as we know, was a very calculated guy in his thinking. And I think there was a thought that maybe there was risk involved or it, there was, it just wasn't, you know, something from a liability thing they wanted to put the team through because it might have been too hard. Uh, well, that's not the case here with Scott Frost. In fact, Scott Frost already earlier this year uh, went down the uh, Grand Canyon um, with the CEO of the program, um, you know, 24 mile walk. So he has a great relationship with, with this group and they came in, uh, ran this deal with the team. And I, I think it's important to do these kinds of things because you, you, you learn a lot about guys. You don't know how guys are going to react um, in adversity, especially during the off season, the summer, it helps you kind of maybe find out, especially some of the younger guys. And let's face it, Robin, this team doesn't have a lot of established leadership um, and something like this can maybe help this coaching staff find out who some of those leaders are. Well, that's probably the biggest thing. Obviously, the strength and conditioning aspect speaks for itself. I mean, as Navy SEAL training doesn't get much harder than that. But well beyond that, as far as the importance this program has to this team right now is developing that leadership, developing that team chemistry, uh, which we all know was pretty fractured uh, last year. I mean, things were not in a good place as far as that locker room makeup. And Bill Moose even said so on on his first day um, and all through the spring you know, the conversation was we need to find leaders who are going to emerge and you can only do so much in these structured practices that you have during the spring and in the fall um, something like this really puts guys like you said to the test um, both physically and mentally and you know you talked about how Bo Pelini used to do this in your three two one. you mentioned this they had guys that may, weren't being pegged as those uh, you know, future leaders emerge in this program and step up to that role. I mean, Jack Gangwish is a perfect example of that that you pointed out. Um, you know, guys, sometimes when, when you're up against it and you're put in these kind of uh, pretty intense situations, that's when you find out what guys are made of. And I think that's probably as important as anything is uh, with a team so desperate to find, you know, true established leaders, uh, basically every position group, something like this can go a long way in, in building that. One, and I think the biggest thing is is with the younger guys or guys who haven't had the opportunity on the football field, whether it be in practice or, or on Saturdays, to, to be in a leadership position to, to go ahead and take take charge. Uh, because this is a deal where you're, you're under intense physical stress 
And until everyone on the entire team does it perfectly, you have to keep doing it. And, and if someone screws up, you have to start over. And, um, you know, there's, I think, at certain points in the, during the program, people can kind of step up and say, okay, enough of this. I'm taking charge now. And, and I think with um, – and you see some younger guys kind of do that. And I, I think that's what maybe gives them a platform to eventually become leaders uh, during practice or, or on a Saturday uh, when, when they go ahead and take charge on something like this and uh, and when it goes well I think they instantly earn the respect of their teammates you also really kind of weed out maybe the guys that that don't want to be there and you know they've done that already to an extent but I think uh, just going through something like this really kind of weeds out a lot of the the guys that have maybe have some doubts don't want to work as hard as what Scott Frost and his staff want to do so uh, there's a lot of positives to that guys as we move on the other thing I wanted to hit on opening thoughts here Mike Riley um going to take a job reportedly in the American Alliance of Football. Um, it's the new upstart league. It's the new USFL, XFL, UFL, World League. Um, but, you know, I think this one has some legs to it. Uh, they have legitimate coaches in the league right now. Steve Spurrier, Rick Neuheisel, Mike Singletary. Um, you go down the line, there's a lot of guys that have committed to coach in this eight-team league. They have a partnership with CBS the opening game and the championship game will be on CBS. Then one game per week will be aired on CBS Sports. Um, so they've got a legitimate television package. It's going to take place in the spring, which will be kind of a uh, prelude to NFL training camps. It won't go on during the actual season or uh, odd times of the year. It will start the week after the Super Bowl. So long story short, Mike Riley is going to be the head coach in San Antonio. Um, I think a surprise move by some um, especially because Jonathan Smith kind of gave him a make good or, you know, and gave him the opportunity to come back home to Corvallis, but they were only paying him $50,000 a year. Nebraska is still paying Mike Riley. I think from the Nebraska perspective, people are more interested in how much money is Mike mm-hmm. Riley making now um, in this new position. Yeah, I can't imagine it's going to be anything overwhelming, but, um, you know, I think this is kind of a result of a guy that, you know, Lincoln was supposed to be his final stop, but that stop was a lot shorter than he anticipated. And so he still had the itch to um, end his career on somewhat of a high note, and being the tight ends coach at Oregon State probably wasn't the way he wanted to go. So um, he got an opportunity. He's got obviously ties to San Antonio in his coaching career. Um, and so I guess from that standpoint, it makes sense. But um, it's going to be interesting because he's still, I saw a tweet that he's still going to keep his home in Corvallis and he's still going to try and hold on to being a off the field analyst and consultant at Oregon State. So he's keeping, you know, to his kind of toes in, in two spots here. It's odd. I think it's odd though. Yeah, it's a strange deal. I mean, obviously this is a risk involved joining a new league because none of them uh, have really done uh, much of anything as far as sustained success. But um, you know, I guess we'll see how that works out. But it's funny, the thing that on that tweet that I saw about him staying in Oregon State, the Oregon State fans are not happy about it. Um, they are kind of tired of being spurned by Mike Riley. Um, you know, this is what the third time that he's left them now for another job. Uh, and so the responses are like, no, just go ahead and leave. Don't don't come back. And so obviously, you know, if you thought Nebraska fans were uh, done with Mike Riley, I think Oregon State's the fans. He has mastered so. the nice guy act, though. I know. I mean, he really. He's a great guy. Nothing against him. He's been nothing but great to all of us in this room. Um, But it's almost like he knows how to use it to his advantage, and it's worked out pretty well for him here down the stretch. Well, and I mean, how lucky – 
can a guy in his position be? I mean, he had the opportunity to go back home to Corvallis where he actually owns a home. And if I'm not mistaken, he has a home in San Antonio. North is, yep, yeah, right outside San Antonio. Yeah, in, in the, that they've used for vacations. I know when he was at Nebraska, you know, they would take a week or two vacation um, to their home in San Antonio every summer during, during July uh, when they get a little break. So – so this is a guy who, you know, after after Nebraska didn't work out, has now been able to kind of fall back into, you know, jobs where he already had homes in the cities uh, where they're at. So, um, yeah, it's really strange. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with it all. But, um, yeah, I, I think Mike Riley's definitely kind of fallen into some luck, even though things haven't necessarily worked out professionally. It will be interesting to see how much he's going to get paid because I know um, – you know, that was one of the attractive reasons why Oregon State brought him in. Essentially, as their 10th assistant, they could pay him $50,000 and actually $50,004. Uh, don't get that four wrong because yeah. that comes off the total. But Nebraska is still paying Mike Riley right now 165000 a month um, because that $50,000 gets taken off the one seventy a month they owed him. So what will the uh, American Alliance pay Mike Riley? I, I read somewhere – uh, that the the coaches are expected to make around five hundred thousand dollars each. Mm. I I find that hard to believe. Yeah, that seems like a lot. It I've is. I've seen a lot of football leagues go broke um, trying to get you know bought in by brought in by the NFL. Um, it seems like that's a lot of money uh, for a coach. Uh, but nonetheless, I can't imagine it be being much more than a hundred thousand, especially knowing that Nebraska is still going to be paying him anyway. Which is probably why they said, you know what, this is going to be great. We basically get a free coach in yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, let's roll the dice and bring in a guy who's not going to cost us a whole lot. Value so. higher. <laughs> All right, when we come back, uh, we've got a couple of interviews we're going to uh, go through here. First, uh, we, we caught up with uh, Nebraska's running backs coach, Ryan Held. Uh, we caught up with him uh, a week ago in McCook. Uh, and we're also going to hear from Frank Verducci, Nebraska's offensive analyst, uh, former UConn offensive coordinator. So, uh, when we come back, though, first we're going to hear uh, from Nebraska's running backs coach, Ryan Held. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as we are in the midst of camp season, Nebraska with one more Friday Night Lights camp to come, but also a busy time for the coaches making the rounds, doing speeches. Last week we heard from Mario Verdusco and offensive coordinator Troy Walters. We're going to hear from a couple more coaches here this week on the Husker Online Show. Let's start first with Nebraska's running backs coach Ryan Held. We caught up with Coach Held out in McCook. Sean Callahan here. We're in McCook uh, with uh, Nebraska running backs coach Ryan Held. Coach getting a chance to make the rounds. Uh, this has got to be one of the fun times of the year just to get a chance to get out and, and see different parts of the state, meet a lot of different Husker fans. No, it's been great. You know, we were in Ogallala last night. And, uh, you know, then this morning went to Imperial. And then obviously now we're here in McCook, got me a little barbecue down the road. I like to try to go to different spots. You don't ever get to eat that much. And uh, uh, so good, great people, great fans. They're excited and you get a lot of really good questions and uh, it's fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I know Frank has too and, and look forward to, to the McCook deal today. Now, a lot of us follow you on Twitter and, and we, we get envious of your trip on the road, all the pictures of the food, all the restaurants. What was the best place you checked out this spring? Oh, you know, I, when you look at it, it's probably Papacitos and In-N-Out. That's kind of my staple when I go places. But, I mean, there's 
you know, there's a lot of good ones. Um, you know, then uh, uh, then I then I get home. I'm like, I better work out in the gym a little bit uh, to to run all this off. But uh, it's good. You know, all the towns and cities we go to, uh, everybody's been very uh, open arms to us. Uh, being at Nebraska and and uh, you know, so it's it's really fun to be in you know really year one of uh, getting out and getting our brand out there and and uh, really building this thing how we need to. You guys kind of started behind the eight ball, just getting in, getting things rolling and recruiting. Do you finally feel like you're somewhat caught up now as far as where you want to be going into maybe the season? Yeah, I think we've made a lot of ground, made up a lot of ground in the last two or three months, uh, you know, getting some 2020 offers. Um, you know, I feel good about my 2019 running back board. Um, I'm on the 2020s. I already got a board started there, probably with 60, 70 kids. We got some offers out, and I've actually started in 2021 a little bit uh, in some of the free time, that limited time we get. But, uh, you know, I think each position coach is excited to, to get their boards going. And, and then, obviously, in the area you, in the areas we have, I want to do a good job. I uh, still got some work to do there, but uh, we'll continue to build relationships and, and, and get the names of the kids we need to recruit. I wanted to ask you about junior college recruiting. What is your real process of kind of just keeping tabs of all the names? Because information somewhat harder to get on JUCO guys, but it seems like you've got a pretty good system where you, you keep a list of guys, and when you need a certain guy at a position, all of a sudden, Held's got another JUCO. They're adding to the, to the, the commit list. Well, you know, it, a lot of it's the relationship piece. You know, going that's why it's so important that you go around every every year to these these schools so they you get their list and because but that that list always changes because they're always getting transfers in. So I'm always trying to keep up with guys. Um, I use the internet some too because uh, I don't I can't get everybody. No, I can't go to every school. Um, and I'm you know I'm actively recruiting 20 to 30 kids right now that we don't you know they're not offers for us. But I know that if we need to get something in a pinch hey here's two or three guys at this position I think are worth at least looking at um, you know but then sometimes those guys move on and now you got to add two more uh, but it's an ongoing deal of trying to find guys that can help the roster uh, but then again they got to make sense for the long-term goals and long-term uh, you know of what we're trying to get done in terms of personnel how many JUCOs would you say you went into over the, the month of May uh, well, all the, all the Kansas schools, Mississippi schools, all but three there. Um, Texas, all but a couple there. Um, then I went out to Arizona and hit a few there. You know, probably 30 to 35. Um, I didn't get out to California this year uh, just because when you add the 10th coach, your days are limited a little bit, you know, because you got to spread the days out. Uh, but I'm, you know, actively recruiting kids in California, a few of them. Um, but you know we'll we'll uh, we'll try to get out to those schools and you know with with a lot of them being close to us and there's a lot of great players and so we gotta we gotta be you know able to recruit locally uh, and I I count that as local even though they're junior college just because they're right around the road right down the road and we need to, they need to know about us. Summer workouts have begun for you guys. Trey Bryan, um, a lot of people want to know about where he's at. Uh, what can you tell us about where Trey is, kind of his, uh, what he's been able to do over the course of the summer? Well, he's working, you know, again, kind of like when we talked during the spring, he's working with Mark and his staff. And, you know, they've been, you know, progressing him, uh, you know, into some different drills and different things. You probably, you know, he posted a couple stuff on Twitter you could see. Uh, you know, but I talked to him, obviously, you know, frequently, and you know, he says he's feeling really, really good. Um, you know, there's still a good seven or eight week, or you know, six or seven weeks left of the summer that he needs to keep progressing. And then, you know, ultimately, it'll come down to when you put the pads on. How do you feel? 
um, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, football is a fast game and you got to be at the, uh, you know, feeling good about things. So we'll see. You know, he's got a great attitude. He works hard. Um, hopefully he can get to where he can help our football team and he feels good about going out there and, and doing his thing. Over the offseason, um, Ben Miles left, so a lot of people led to the debate. Is the fullback position done at Nebraska? I'm sure you heard and read a lot about that. Um, will you guys have a fullback? I mean, what is the future of the fullback at Nebraska now that there aren't any on scholarship going forward? Well, when you watch our offense, um, the tight end really is the fullback. Um, we just don't have him in the I formation, per se. You know, he's at a wing. He's in the backfield. Uh, you know, he's going to block linebackers. He's going to arc around and block safeties, just like the fullback position. Um, it's not a position that we're going to turn and hand the ball off to. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a, a different you know, what we do is a little different way or age of things. Um, trust me, I love the fullback position just like everybody. Uh, it's just kind of morphed into a different, you know, type of kid we're looking for. We want a six four, six five kid you can split out as a receiver, um, you know, line him up in the backfield. And But they have to do a lot of the similar things that the fullback did when we were back in, uh, in the, you know, all of those years at Nebraska. So it's just a different position. Um, but, you know, we, uh, trust me, I have all the utmost respect for all the fans that want that position. Uh, I get you. Um, it's just morphed into a different spot at this point. So he's not gone. It's just been modified. It's been modified. You know, it's a it's a different way of, of of you know in our offense how we do it. Um, but when you when you end up watching you know throughout the course of the year, you'll you'll be able to see. Okay, I see what they're talking about because of the same things we asked the fullback to do back in the day. We're asking these tight ends to do. It's just they're not gonna we're not gonna line up and give them the ball. We want the running backs or the quarterbacks or receivers to get the ball. Uh, in space. This spring, Greg Bell was your newcomer on campus. Was he kind of everything you expected him to be, and, and where do you want to see him grow now in August? You know, I want to see him improve in the knowledge of the offense, just like all of them. Uh, I want to see him, uh, you know, have a great summer of conditioning, um, you know, and, and I think when those things happen, you know, continue to get stronger. Um, you know, I wouldn't, when I think when that happens, you know, that'll help him uh, to continue to impress. But, you know, you, you see glimpses of, okay, you know, he can really be a, a guy that can help our team. Now we have Miles Jones on campus, which is big. You know, he's going to be, you know, we talked about before the kind of that duck R position where he'll be receiver, be a running back, kind of some of the guys we had at UCF and what they've had in the Oregon in the past. Um, you know, and Moses Bryant's on campus. You know, he's a kid that depending on where he ends up playing, that's up to the head ball coach. But I know that if he's on offense, he'll be he'll be the, the, the duck R position too. So we got some guys that we're bringing in the fold. And then, you know, Maurice is, is still working on his, his eligibility as well. So, um, you know, it, it's a good place to be um, for year one. And uh, But, you know, all our guys just got to have a great summer, a great last seven or eight weeks of of the, of the of the summer to get ready for this season. I got to ask you about Friday Night Lights. The next two Fridays, camps will be open to the fans. Uh, last year, Nebraska had, I want to say, seven, 8,000 fans come out. What are you looking forward to about that? Just And how can that atmosphere maybe help you get the attention of some of the kids that you'll be bringing into Lincoln the next two Fridays? Well, anytime uh, I get a chance to get into Memorial Stadium, that's a treat, you know, to be able to coach in there, one. Two is what the fans got to understand is, you know, what are we doing to separate ourselves from all the other schools 
that are recruiting these kids. And so when these kids come in and they see all these fans here, I mean, right there, that gives the, the you know, to them like, hey, this is a special place. I mean, fans are coming out on a Friday night to watch me train uh, and do this camp. So we have to do everything in our power to, to, to put ourselves in position to be different as we build this thing back up and make Nebraska relevant again because kids these age don't, don't remember the national championships in the 90s. They don't. Uh, they we got to be able to put something out there that that builds equity uh, with them, uh, and obviously being on the field and getting wins is the biggest thing. But everything we can do to set us apart that's positive. That's what we need to do. Well, coach, great seeing you out here in McCook. Absolutely, it's great to be here. And thanks again to running backs coach Ryan Hell as he's got a lot of things to sort out with that position group from now until August. So when we come back, we're going to hear from another member of Nebraska's coaching staff, offensive analyst. Frank Verducci, who has a very interesting background and role on this coaching staff. We'll catch up with Frank Verducci next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as we just heard from running backs coach Ryan Held, as we caught up with Coach Held out at McCook during the speakers tour a week ago. And we had a chance also to speak with another very interesting member of Nebraska's coaching staff. Frank Verducci serves as Nebraska's offensive analyst, but before that, he was an offensive coordinator at places like UConn, even in Iowa for Hayden Fry, and uh, really one of the more overqualified guys on this staff to be in a position like this. We got a chance to visit more with Verducci out in McCook. Well, Sean Callahan here. We're out in McCook uh, with Nebraska's offensive analyst, Frank Verducci. Uh, Coach, I'm guessing this is your first time making it this far out in the state of Nebraska. I, You know, we used to make this trip going out to Colorado all the time. I've actually seen some of the familiar pit stops along the way. <laughs> So not quite the first time. First time, you know, we're really getting to spend some time, though, with the people in these towns. When you talk about what you do at Nebraska, obviously you've got an extensive background, offensive coordinator at UConn several years in the NFL before that. Um, what is your exact role now as you kind of look at what you're going to be doing for Coach Frost here at Nebraska? Well, based on uh, what I did last year, uh, the biggest thing is the pregame planning and profile the, profiling the opponents. So... Uh, Obviously, each week, say, for example, Akron, we get done with the Akron game, the staff will come in and put the Akron game to bed, grading the film, all that, and then immediately you have to turn your attention to Colorado. Well, uh, the prior week, I'll start turning my attention to Colorado. Our graduate assistant coaches will break all that film down. Then I'll get the raw data and start to, the term I use is profile their defense. So when then our coaches come in on Sunday, They've got a, a really concise picture of who the opponent is, who the personnel is, injury report, uh, statistics, situational defense, so that they can hit the ground running. It's, it allowed us, at least in Orlando, to really use our time more efficiently. It seemed to work very well, obviously. You're probably a guy that's had opportunities to maybe take other coaching jobs. What, what has kind of attracted you to stay in this type of role with Coach Frost? Uh, one, I, re I really enjoy working under Coach Frost. I mean, uh, just, a, just a great guy. Uh, it was originally just going to be a short-term thing down in Orlando. It started to work well, and then as we got towards the end of the season, we talked about something going out forward from there. The other thing is uh, the uh, opportunity to work with Greg Austin. 
really enjoy him. Outstanding young line coach. So uh, that, that's a great relationship as well. When you kind of you talk about the schedule and your job, your job's not going to be easy. You're going to be looking at a lot of good football teams. What have you noticed just about the style of the Big Ten compared to maybe what you've seen in the AAC and other places? Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten hasn't changed all that much style-wise. I, I was in the conference for 14 years at, at Iowa and Northwestern. Uh, there's a lot of still similarities. It's still a big physical league. Uh, it's going to be fun to see how uh, our offense translates in those matchups. And of course, you know, we're always looking for advantages in the matchups. Uh, it's it's going to be great to see how, uh, how we match up. What about just the resources at a place like Nebraska? When you start to get the full Big Ten money that wasn't there 14 years ago, um, what are some of the advantages? I'm sure having positions like yours are one of them, but have you noticed just the advantages of all the resources a place like Nebraska offers already? Well, it, it's such a great opportunity for the, for the kids, the student athletes. I mean, whether you're a scholarship player or a walk-on, uh, the resources that we have for everybody on the roster, just it really gives you an opportunity if you're really dedicated and focused on being the best that you can be and developing as a, as a student, a football player, all the resources are there. The support, whether it's academic, medical, uh, strength training, nutrition, they're all there to help you get, you know, achieve the things that you want to achieve. So when you're at Iowa, are you with Coach Ferentz or Coach Fry? I was with Coach Fry for 12 years. Yeah, I was went there at 26 years old as a GA and left at 40 as a uh, co-offensive coordinator. So he's a great influence in my so, career. You were, you were like that picture when they show all those coaches. I mean, you're one of those guys in the picture of all those the, great coaches. The the 85 team, Bill Snyder, Barry Alvarez, Ferentz, all those guys, uh, the Stoops brothers. Yeah, it was it was quite a group to, to cut your teeth with. So you were on that staff in 85? Yes. What do you remember just about some of those guys and as you saw their careers progress, did you kind of be like, wow? Well, I just remember we used to we used to run at noontime, go jogging, and they would uh, moan about nobody ever leaving because Coach Fry had great staff continuity. And, you know, they'd run and say, man, I'm never going to get out of here. I'm never going to get an opportunity. And then all of a sudden, a year later, Barry Alvarez gets his. Dan McCarney goes to Iowa State. You know, uh, Bill Snyder to Kansas State. Uh, so to see those those people launch off, I mean, their success was obviously no surprise. They're extraordinary people and coaches, uh, but it's been fun to stay in touch with them and follow them. Have you seen anything like what you guys did at UCF in recent years where everybody came? I'm not talking just the coaches, but the support staff and practically everybody but the secretaries came to Lincoln with you guys. Yeah, no, that, that you know, and having coached as long as I have, you know, I'm familiar with what happens in turnovers and whether you're successful and can't bring everybody or obviously you get let go and, and people scatter. This is really a rare circumstance where everybody, like you said, Sean, even the support staff uh, get up here. And really what it does, it's that word again, it's the efficiency of everything we do. Uh, the acclimation curve of is this my responsibility or his? There's none of that. I mean, that's why I think spring practice was so productive because really it was just an extension of what everybody had done the previous spring down in Orlando. You hear about the fans. Now that you've experienced the fans at Nebraska, any funny or crazy stories or thoughts about the fan base? No, it's just it's, it's exceptional. You know, I grew up in, you know, I was a teenager in the, in the 70s and, you know, uh, just the Nebraska profile uh, the thing that makes it exceptional is the fans. And if you're in state and you're around the program, well, that's just the way it is. But when you're an outsider looking in, 
you know, you're envious. You wish you had a fan base like that. You wish you had people that were so passionate and wanted to be involved and support you in whatever way uh, they were capable of. And uh, we're just looking forward to re uh, rewarding the fan base, you know, with a good, hard-working team out on the field. i got to ask you about your brother, Tom Verducci, famous Sports Illustrated writer. Uh, I believe he's announcer for the World Series with Fox. Yeah. With all his years in baseball, Give me a cool baseball story. I mean, I'm sure you've gotten some backstage access to something that uh, you, you could brag about here. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't get a chance to see him nearly as much as I'd like to, but usually when I see him, it's at a game or he'll come out to one of our games. And, you know, I'm a big baseball fan as it is, so I get a kick out of meeting those people, whether it's uh, been sitting in a dugout with Joe Torre, just talking about coaching. Uh, or things like that, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. What's your favorite ballpark? My Fenway. You're a so Sox guy, right? Well, my son works for the Red Sox, so whether I was or not, I am now. <laughs> yeah, this is Royals country out here, as you've learned. I think there's some Cubs fans, but pretty strong Royals fans, especially the World Series a couple years ago. Yeah, it is. That's exciting. Uh, as a matter of fact, my wife and my daughter got to go down to the, uh, the World Series down there through my brother. You know, Unfortunately, I, you know, we're busy that time of the year, but they got to go down to Kauffman and experience that. It was a great time. Well, Coach Verducci, welcome to Nebraska, um, and best of luck here as you guys get ready for uh, the start of fall camp. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. And thanks again to Nebraska's offensive analyst, Frank Verducci, who we caught up with out in McCook. Uh, we got some very good insight on what he does and what his role is on this coaching staff. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift back over to recruiting. Nebraska will hold their final Friday Night Lights camp here this week. We'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on that and some final thoughts from last week's camp, as well as the 7-on-7 seven -seven event that took place last weekend. That's all next here in our next segment. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we just heard from both Ryan Held, Nebraska's running backs coach, and Frank Verducci, offensive analyst. Very interesting interviews with those guys we had out in McCook. But now we're moving forward back to the recruiting talk as uh, Nebraska will hold one more Friday Night Lights camp. It will also have a big recruiting weekend um, called the barbecue right before the camp on Friday. We're going to get to that in our next segment. Uh, we wanted to recap, though, kind of what happened this week in recruiting. Uh, Friday Night Lights, the big man's camp, the seven-on-seven. Seven. Nick Henrich visited. Um, they could get another commit maybe coming this way. So there's a lot to get to here, and uh, we're going to hit on all these things before we preview uh, kind of what's coming up this weekend in Lincoln. But uh, first and foremost, Nate, Friday Night Lights camp number one in the books for Nebraska and, you know, I think a number of things jumped out. But uh, overall, for me, on the weekend, the story was 2021. Um, you, you look at some of the names that emerged. Avante Dickerson from Westside um, ran the fastest 40, a 4-4-1. We later find out he ran a 4 3 at the, at the mega camp in Lindenwood. But there were so many kids there, no one even knew um, <laughs> how big that camp is. Yeah, but that can happen when you've got 1,500 kids rolling through a camp. Uh, but then you got Teddy Prochaska, another guy from Elkhorn South, 6'8", 245. Um, and then Nebraska and Nate just made a, a, their first 500-mile radius or one of their first 2021 offers in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, uh, Jaden Roberts out of uh, – Wow, he's going to be a beast. St. Thomas Aquinas, yeah. I mean, at the big man camp or, or the down-in-the-trenches camp that they had on Saturday, uh, I mean, he was 
you know, when you when you go to a camp, you know, the first thing I do at least is you kind of just survey, you know, the body types and, and guys that stand out. And I usually write some notes and, and write some numbers down. And, and Jaden Roberts was one of the first numbers I wrote down because he stood out uh, out of everyone that, at that camp. I mean, off off of the hoof. And um, I mean, he's six five, three hundred pounds, and uh, and then you know, come to find out uh, exactly who he is. Oh, oh, this kid is a twenty twenty one prospect. He's you know, he's uh, he's a really really young kid, uh, but has you know definitely looks apart. And then you watch him out there competing. I mean, this is not your typical um, what a kid coming off his freshman year of high school. Um, so, I mean, I mean, he's, he's going to be a big time national recruit. He already has an offer from Missouri. Um, so for Nebraska to, to extend that offer and kind of get in on the ground floor with this kid, I think is a big deal. Um, you know, and it's going to be interesting. Did he see. start as a freshman then? Yeah. Started as a freshman, uh, at which Saint at Thomas a private Park. school is practically yeah. unheard of. Yeah. I mean, you don't see it very often. Um, now his brother is a 2020, uh, prospect there at St. Thomas Aquinas who is not nearly as big. He's about six, one and a half, 200, 205 it's pounds. It's a Trey and Gerald Foster type yeah, deal. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but he's a linebacker. I know he worked out as a defensive end at the, the lineman camp, but, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens with him. I'm not sure, you know, if he necessarily fits what Nebraska wants to do on defense or, or exactly where he might fit into the equation. And I know three, Jake, four outside. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's got the length. I mean, Nebraska for those outside linebacker spots, Nebraska has kind of been targeting kids more in that, you know, six, two to six, five range, um, depending on exactly where they, where they see him playing at. But, um, I know the two brothers have said they kind of like to play, you know, at the same school, but and a lot of kids say that too, and it, it oftentimes doesn't necessarily work out. But there's no question, Jaden Roberts is going to be a national recruit. I mean, he's he's going to be a top 100 type of guy. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we kind of recap uh, what came out of the weekend as a whole, and uh, I mentioned Avante Dickerson as well, Nate. Um, really, one of the more impressive 2021s for a skill guy. Um, when you find out more about him, I mean, he ran back two kicks for touchdowns against Bellevue West. The next week against Lincoln Pius, he ran one back. Um, he had five kick returns on the year. Three went for touchdowns. Um, and he held his own against Xavier Betts, probably defended him as well as anybody all year as a freshman. Um, I'll be curious what Nebraska does with Avante because I think if he comes out of the gate strong as a sophomore, I almost think you have to offer him sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the testing results at the camp and his performance at the camp, I think, kind of speak for themselves. And, and, I mean, you might even be able to make a case for an early offer based off that stuff. But, you know, the first three games of, of this fall, I think, are going to be very important to him. And if he gets off to a hot start, uh, I would not be surprised if Nebraska goes ahead and pulls the trigger. And, and I think they probably need to. I think they need to be a little bit of aggressive um, with the, with a player of his caliber, I think he's going to be, um, you know, a highly recruited kid just based off of the measurables and the the, the testing numbers. I mean, um, this isn't a you know five six five seven kid ripping off a legit four three four four forties. This is a, a kid who's right around five eleven, um, you know, with some growth potential yet. So, uh, you know, running these types of times and and it's not very often that you have you know, some skill guys of that caliber coming out of, out of Nebraska. I mean, uh, it's been a long time since you've had a legit, uh, corner that put up those types of numbers, you know, uh, coming out of the state. Um, you, you, but you've seen, you know, between 2021 with Dickerson and then, 
you know, with 2020 with Xavier Betts and, and Xavier Watts. I mean, those are three skill guys between those two classes just right there. Uh, I mean, you could probably throw in, um, you know, a couple other kids, make a case for a couple other kids. But those are three skill guys right there that I think um, all have the potential to play at Nebraska. Uh, certainly, Xavier Betts already has the offer uh, and, and is a top 100 recruit. But um, that's, that's some pretty good skill talent to, to come out of the state. Now, Nebraska did host uh, one pretty big um, uh, unofficial visitor this weekend, Nate. Nick Henrich, Omaha Burke, came in, spent a lot of time on campus. The visit went well into the early evening. Um, and, you know, he really didn't do a lot of interviews after the fact and say a whole lot. And that, that's kind of been par for the course with Nick Henrich as far as his recruiting goes. But um, kind of your read on Nick Henrich and where that's at. He visited Wisconsin as well this last week as a, a, an official visitor. Yeah, you know, Nick took that official visit to, to Wisconsin. Uh, I know that went well. The whole weekend for Wisconsin went extremely well. Uh, they, they, they brought in a handful of official visitors, and, and they picked up, you know, three or four commitments, I want to say, off that weekend. So, I mean, that was a big success for them. Uh, you know, and I know they've been pushing really hard there for him, but I think it was big for Nebraska to, to get him back in, you know, back away from that visit and on campus immediately uh, following that because a lot of times, you know, you take a, a trip and have a ton of fun and you're kind of riding that, that post-visit high for a long time and it really soaks in, you know, just how great things were and how much fun you had on that visit. But I think it was good for Nebraska to, to kind of switch that mode immediately. Um, and I think it was another good sign that the visit went so late. I mean, typically we've been seeing these unofficial visits finish, you know, between three, if no later than five. Um, and, and this is a visit that went well on into the, the you know. It tells me they had a lot planned. They, yeah, they, so they said this might be our last chance. Yep. You know, we're not going to get an official. He's going to decide before August. We are going to keep this ball in play on campus as long as we can. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and, and I think that I think that's a good sign. Um, so we'll see. I, I want to say right now I, I feel I feel confident where, where Nebraska sits. I think they're in a good spot here. Uh, but you're right. I mean, this is a this is a kid who does not say a whole lot of anything. Uh, he doesn't give much away. And. Um, you know, we, we know that there are a couple other schools that are still in play. Um, Iowa is having a huge recruiting weekend this weekend. They're bringing in like, you know, close to 18 official visitors. I want to say I know all their commitments are, are taking official visits um, and they're bringing in a, a handful of unofficial visitors as well. So if, if he does not visit Iowa this weekend, uh, I, I really feel good about Nebraska's chances uh, with Nick Henrich. And, and I think Barrett Rood uh, will, will be you know, a big reason why, if and when they They've do. had him on campus more than anybody. Am I right on that? Um, you know, I, I know he's visited. He's had two extensive visits with Nebraska. Yeah, this spring. Yeah, I, I think I think he's I think Nebraska's had him on campus as at least as as much as anybody else, but but maybe more so. Well, it will be interesting to see. And then Nate, uh, anything else on the commit watch? There's always kind of a guy or two. Um, who are your guys to watch here going forward? Well, there's a handful of, of players. Uh, you know, I, I think um, you know immediately. I think you have to look at uh, Matthew Anderson uh, out of the offensive tackle out of Leesville, Louisiana. Uh, big six seven, two hundred and fifty pound kid. Kind of fits that mold uh, of offensive tackle that that Nebraska has kind of targeted consistently. Uh, in terms of being a, a big athlete that they can add weight to, um, you know, kind of a blank slate that they can bring in and give Zach Duvall to kind of build him up instead of 
bringing in you know a big six seven three hundred and thirty pound player that that they could might have to hand over to Duval and and you know have him lose fifty pounds and then kind of build him back up. So um, you know that's a kid to, to definitely watch. He he's he originally said following his visit that he wasn't going to commit until the end of the summer, uh, but that's that has since changed. I know uh, Friday is his birthday. Uh, so he's planning to announce then, and I, I got to like Nebraska's chances a whole lot there. Um, and then Logan Smothers, a 2020 quarterback out of Athens, Alabama, is another one to keep an eye on. Uh, he had a fantastic visit to Nebraska a couple weeks ago, um, you know, and, and kind of wanted to take a couple other unofficial visits, go to a couple different camps. I know Urban Meyer is really making a strong push here. Um, you know, following that Nebraska visit, he reached out to, to Logan and his family and uh, wanted him to come up to Columbus camp and and then kind of do the unofficial visit deal. Uh, so, you know, we'll see about an offer from Ohio State. You know, that could definitely change things. But I know he's a kid who wants to kind of end things early. And uh, like I said, that visit to Nebraska really blew their mind. Uh, I mean, that was that was about as well as, as it could have gone. Uh, I know both Logan and his father have had a chance to catch up with those guys. And they just cannot say, you know, enough great things about Nebraska and about that coaching, about the coaching staff. So uh, he's another one to kind of keep an eye on here going forward. Well, it's going to be a very busy uh, weekend and we're going to get to that in our next segment as Nate and I will preview the uh, next Friday Night Lights camp as well as the barbecue event Nebraska will coincide with that on Friday that's next year you're listening to the Husker online show you're listening to the Husker online show your authority on Nebraska athletics final segment here of the Husker online show Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we are going to get you ready now for Friday Night Lights camp number two Expected to be a big crowd um, at the camp. This has traditionally always been kind of the bigger of the two or three events, the final one. And uh, Nebraska has steered all of their commits, all of their main guys that are coming in uh, to come in for this. Now, Nate, a lot of these guys aren't going to take part in the camp, um, but they're going to be there um, for the barbecue. And did you get the sense Nebraska didn't want these guys to go out there and maybe get hurt or, you know, something like, I mean, because we, we've seen guys that are commits like Buki and, you know, Keyshawn and Jebbia take part in these things in the past. Uh, did you get the sense they didn't want to put those guys out there and, and, and compete? Or do you think a lot of these kids now just said, you know what, I'm committed. I don't need to be out there doing this. I think they totally left it up to the kids, um, you know, and, and I, I didn't get the sense that they were trying to steer them one way or the other. Um, you know, I think they probably let him know, though, hey, look, you, you know, you don't have to. You have to pay, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the other part of it is, is um, you know, that, that if, they, if they go out there, they got to pay to go out there and, and compete. But I think they let him know that, you know, you, this is not a deal where, where we're expecting you to work out at. If you want to, you can. That's fine. Uh, but I, I didn't get the, the impression that they were, you know, pushing kids to, you know, one way or the other. But I am not expecting a lot of the visitors that come in for the barbecue uh, ahead of the Friday Night Lights camp to end up working out at the Friday Night Lights camp, though. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, as we get you ready for the weekend. Now, uh, the commits that are going to be in town, Desmond Bland, Jackson Hanna, Luke McCaffrey, Garrett Nelson, Ethan Piper, Garrett Snodgrass. Um, so, you know, you're going to get six of the eight, eight, nine commits here in town for the camp. Yeah, I think uh, anytime you can get, you know, the large majority of your of your uh, commits on campus together, 
uh, it's a big deal, uh, especially when when there's going to be a lot of other recruits in town. You know, the, there's there's guys that that are going to ask these commits, hey, why did you pick Nebraska? Why, you know, what what was it that that made you want to commit? And and they're those are, they're going to be recruiters, um, and you kind of have a little bit of everything. You've got the in-state kids. You've you've got a junior college prospect. You've got the quarterback of of the class. You've got you know a linebacker from Tennessee, uh, you know, who's coming in. So I mean, you've, you've got a little bit of everything, guys from all different experiences, different places. Um, so I, I think that's going to be good, especially when you, when you look at the group of, of unofficial visitors that aren't committed and, and kind of the makeup of that crowd, uh, because that's, that's kind of a hodgepodge of, of players that are coming in from all over the place as well. Now, Nate, there's going to be about three guys there that have offers that are going to be kind of key targets for 2019, Jaden Davis, four-star rivals 250 corner Jamie Nance and Rasheed Rice yeah Jaden Davis I think you that's where you got to start um, out of those players uh, like you said rivals 250 prospect he's a cornerback out of Fort Lauderdale um, I mean and to get him on campus as an unofficial visitor you know paying uh, you know out of his own pocket to, to fly up to Nebraska and spend the weekend in Lincoln is is a huge deal uh, especially when you consider, you know, how many teams are kind of looking at him. He, he's got offers from all over the country um, and could really probably go anywhere. And, and to be honest with you, he could probably go anywhere as an official visitor uh, before the dead period starts. So um, yeah, the, that's, you know, to get him on campus as an unofficial uh, is, is huge news. Now, Jamie Nance is is a speedy wide receiver out of Oklahoma um, who's actually tried to, to visit Lincoln several times already, but has kind of had to cancel, you know, things have come up, you know, travel problems, whatever. Uh, but he's going to be on campus finally. Um, and this is a kid that's really intriguing because he's like a 10-4, 10-600-meter guy, uh, legit track speed, uh, just a blazer that has, has really come out of nowhere. You know, I, I think – coming out of uh, out of the winter he didn't really have any offers and now he's got double digit offers uh, and, and keeps adding more and more and I think he's been very intrigued uh, by Nebraska and their offense uh, and, and the Huskers have been recruiting him really hard um, really from the get-go uh, as soon as they as soon as they pulled the trigger and offered uh, and then Rasheed Rice out of uh, out of Texas another wide receiver fast wide out uh, 6'1 185 190 pound wide out uh, that can flat out run. I think that's kind of the common theme when you talk about a lot of the skill guys on offense that, that Nebraska is recruiting. But um, another another player is going to be making his first trip to Lincoln. Finally, has a good relationship with the staff. Uh, and then yet another guy that's got a ton of offers out there. I think he's got 17, 18 offers, uh, really nice offer list. So, uh, to again, to get these guys on campus – uh, as unofficial visitors is is a big deal. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we uh, kind of put, uh, get you ready for Friday night, Nate. And there's one really key 2020 that's going to be here. Another kid out of Kansas, Nebraska, has offered him a four-star offensive lineman. Um, help me on the last name here, Turner. Cochran. Cochran um, will be here in Lincoln. Um, and that's big because Nebraska – you know they they were they came in they didn't come in first but they came in really early and now this is going to be a real opportunity to get him interested to hopefully come back again in the fall. Yeah, exactly. So Turner Cochran out of Lawrence, Kansas, Free State High School. 
uh, it's just, you know, gone from being an, uh, you know, relatively unknown guy to being in the latest Rivals 100 for the, the class of 2020. Um, and he's got Ohio State. He's got Wisconsin. I mean, he's he's basically has offers from all the powerhouse schools now. Um, just, you know, his, his stock is, is uh, just kind of gone through the roof, and, and he continues to pick up big-time offers. He has visited before uh, in the spring. And that trip went unbelievably well, uh, and and to get him back on, on campus again is is a big deal, especially. Uh, I mean, when you want to talk about offensive linemen from the 500 mile radius, just how important that is to the staff. Uh, I think Turner Cochran is is definitely you know that alone makes him a, a big uh, priority. But then you factor in just to, you know uh, you know how good of a player he is, and and he's his potential is through the roof too. So. Um, you know, I, I think he's he, out of the underclassmen that'll be on campus. He's kind of the, uh, the the main priority right now. Now, Nate, things are going to go quiet here after Saturday. Nebraska's coaching staff will go out to USF. Uh, they have um, another Adidas three-stripe three stripe camp. Um, they're going to take a private jet. Five coaches are going to get on there and, and get out there. I don't know if they're going to leave really early on Saturday morning or Friday evening and get down to Tampa. Um, but the NCAA then will go into the dead period. And the dead period this year runs from June 25th to July 24th. So um, no prospects can be on campus. And I think this is one of the things that coaches around the country really fought hard for. Like, look, if you're going to make us take or if you're going to let us use, not make us, let us use official visits during the spring and the summer, there's going to have to be a shutoff period. And they have determined um, June 25th through July 24th, and a month, an entire month, as kind of the dead period now, where you can't host anybody. Yeah, I mean, it used to be a couple of weeks, maybe yeah, about two weeks, um, anywhere from I think it was 10 to 14 days. Um, you know, after after you know, basically in in July, like the first two weeks of July is what the the dead period used to be. Um, and now you got about a month of a dead period between the end of June and no one's and, complaining over there. Nobody, yeah, <laughs> no one's complaining. I mean. Um, and, and good for the coaches and, and good for the kids. I mean, j- look, July is the only month of the year where these coaches can actually like spend time with their families um, and, and kind of take a I mean, you, you never can really fully relax because recruiting never stops. So, I mean, these guys are still going to be able to communicate with with the recruits and uh, whether it's, you know, through text or social media or whatever. Um, or if the recruit calls the coaches. But, um, you know, t- these guys need a chance to be able to, to spend a little time with their family. Uh, I mean, you look at what Nebraska has done here just over the past few months. They've been out on the road uh, from from basically the day after the, the spring game through the end of May. And then they, you know, June starts, and they've been on the road doing these satellite camps. They've been on the road doing the Husker Nation tour, hosting their own on-campus camps. Um, so, I mean, they really haven't ch- had a chance to, to catch their breath a whole lot. And, and for the kids, I think it's good because, you look, you, you don't – camp season is over with. Um, you know, you're, you're not uh, – you get a chance to kind of be with your own team. Uh, you get a chance for recruiting to, to kind of slow down a little bit for yourself and, and catch your breath uh, heading into your, your season, your senior season or whatever. So um, I think it's good for everybody. It will be interesting to see kind of how things close out. Nebraska's final Friday Night Lights camp will be – Friday, open to the public, 6 to 8 o'clock. Um, make sure you are on HuskerOnline.com as well. Full coverage of the events here in Lincoln. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.